What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. Bring in show music, please. This is Squawk Pod. I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. Today on our podcast. Look out, Kathy Wood. One fund is betting on the high-profile tech investor Stumbles. But the man behind it, Matthew Tuttle, says it's nothing personal. We've got great respect for Kathy Woods. We've got great respect for ARK and, and what they've done. And life in China, government tracking, long testing lines, and surveillance, all part of Beijing's strategy to keep COVID in check, CNBC's Eunice Yoon. I can't even imagine living like that. It does take a psychological toll. But first, Joe Rogan and Spotify still making headlines, a dramatic football weekend, and what do Elon Musk and Andrew Ross Sorkin have in common? Here's a hint, it's gotta do with karaoke. Love me tender, love me too. It's Monday, January 31st, 2022. Squawk Pod begins right now. Stand back you by in three, two, one, cue please. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Squawk Box here on CNBC. I'm Becky Quick, along with Andrew Ross Sorkin. Joe is off today. Because this is the last day of the month, we want to take a look at where the major indexes are so far for the year. Um, it's been one to not necessarily write home about. Last week was pretty good. And in fact, the Dow, the S&P and the Nasdaq all closed in positive territory for the end of the week, which is hard to believe given the swings that we saw. But if you're looking for this month to date and the year to date so far, you're going to see Dow down by about four and a half percent almost. S&P down by about seven percent. And then the Nasdaq down by 12 percent for the year to date. So it has been a rough start to the month of January. Crude oil prices, different story. It's been up significantly. If you were watching crude last week, it was up by 2% for the week. But if you were watching crude, what it's done for the year to date so far, up 15.4%. And and that's that you're going to feel. 87.59 is the last tick for WTI. On Friday, it, clo- it, it, it set uh, an intraday high of 88.84. And Andrew, that's the highest level we've seen since October of 2014. I was at getting some gas yesterday. And, I, and you noticed. I, I felt bet. it. Yeah, you feel I it saw, right in your pocket. I saw that. I just saw it tick up and tick up and tick up. And I thought, I, For a moment, I thought, did I put on the super, super unleaded? Because I don't, I'm usually cheap. I don't usually do that. No, you, you notice that prices go up pretty quickly when you see uh, WTI like this. I don't know if you got a chance to watch any of the games yesterday. We thought the football weekend was yep. last weekend. But, man, this past weekend, it was, it was great games too. again. That's right. Um, I did not stay up to see the end of the Rams game. The you know Rams obviously taking off over the San Francisco 49ers. But I did watch the Bengals game. And my gosh, the Bengals-Kansas City game, that was unbelievable. I had no idea that the Bengals could dominate on a defensive level like that, too. I thought this was going to be a battle of the quarterbacks. But, wow, that was an unbelievable Joe Kernan finish. Joe Kernan should be a happy guy. We've got to give him a shout-out uh, for this. A little uh, 
he's, he, he's probably celebrating right now. Yeah. Uh, maybe, maybe that's why. I mean, we, he, he oh, and that was the pick. Anyway, that but, was the uh, pick Mahomes threw at the end in overtime. Got picked off by the Bengals. And then you saw them kind of march back down the field once again with Joe Burrows. So I, I, I knew that it was going to be exciting to watch. I didn't think it was going to be that exciting. And, and go Bengals. It, it was unbelievable. It's been pretty great. And um, I, you, know, you got to admit, all the critics of, of the NFL and what was going to happen to football and Everything that happened during the pandemic and ratings were down. I mean, it's all come back um, in a completely new way. And you, you can look sports, live sports. Two weeks. It's going to um, be right And by here the way, the NBC. Super Bowl on NBC, <laughs> it is, uh, it's the thing that people have to watch now. So Unbelievable. And by the way, I thought it was going to be a replay of the weekend before with those horrible overtime rules. When, you know, it's watching to see if whoever won the coin toss won it. I thought it was over for the Bengals when they lost the coin toss. I thought, That's it. You can't give it to Mahomes and not expect that they're not going to march it right down the field and score. But um, that was pretty exciting and well done to the to the Bengals defense. Spotify now responding to the controversy over vaccine misinformation and specifically its podcaster, Joe Rogan. It announced yesterday that it's going to be adding a content advisory to any podcast episode that discusses COVID. Now, Spotify faced complaints that it allowed misinformation to spread on its platform after musician Neil Young pulled his music from the platform specifically over the Rogan podcast. Over the weekend, artist Joni Mitchell said that she would remove her music from the platform. Others did as well. Prince Harry and Meghan Markle urging Spotify to address the, quote, serious harms presented by COVID misinformation on its platform. They've also got an exclusive podcast deal with Spotify. Spotify says it's going to be rolling out that content advisory and COVID-19 hub in the next few days. And then last night, Joe Rogan responded in a video Instagram. Take a look at what he had to say. One of the things that Spotify wants to do that I agree with is that at the beginning of these controversial podcasts, like specifically ones about COVID, is to put a disclaimer and say that you should speak with your physician and that these people and the opinions that they express are contrary to the opinions of uh, the consensus of experts, which I think is very important. Sure, have that on there. I'm very happy with that. Um, Also, I think uh, if there's anything that I've done that I could do better is uh, have more experts with differing opinions right after I have the controversial ones. Uh, I would most certainly be open to doing that. So, Bex, I don't know what you think of this. This to me reminds, I mean, it, it reminds me, it basically is the approach that Facebook has taken and many of the other social networks have taken to a lot of these things, which is they put a badge on it. Um, this has been the case for COVID information. This has been the case for political information. They say, you know, click on this to hear more or whatnot. The truth is, though, I don't think anybody clicks on those badges. I don't think anyone clicks on those advisory uh, stickers. And so I don't know. Um, I don't know where you think the responsibility lies. And is Spotify, in this case, they're, to me, much closer to a broadcaster, much closer to a yeah, broadcaster than, than, than any kind of social media network. So maybe I shouldn't even be comparing it to a no, Twitter it, it, or the, a Facebook you know, and, and much more aligned with what we do every day. Right. I, I, look, if, if you're paying somebody $100 million for the content, you can't say that, you know, uh, it's this questionable content that's being put up on our bulletin board. It's, uh, you, you, you are the person who's paying to provide for that content, not only providing the platform, but also paying for the content to be provided. And I think what you've seen over the course of the last week was they were hoping this would go away. Um, And clearly they are 
being forced to address more and more from the pressure that's building on it. You know, these latest steps right. are coming after the fact. Um, you know, but is it a slippery slope? Because I will also tell you, so I was in the car yesterday, as you know, because I was getting the gas with my kids. <laughs> and we had it on, we had it on like Spotify, I don't know, Pop 100 or Pop Rising or one, one of these sort of, you know, kind of channels. And, and literally every other word is a word that they should not be, be listening to. Now, it, that's different than misinformation. Yeah. But some of the stuff that, that obviously is in the music. Now, I'm not, I'm not trying to act like some No, but old, it's easy to get. Like, if you, don't, if you don't want to do it, turn it off or get rid of Spotify. I mean, you could do the same thing well, so, but, but, and then Neil Young that, has done. But, but, but then is that the answer? Is it just turn Spotify off? In which case, Spotify should turn around and say, this is what we play. And if you want to listen to it, you listen to it. And this is the freedom of the market and free speech. Yeah. And this is how we're doing it. Yeah. But here, here's the deal. Like there, that's, I think, what their initial reaction was to some of this. If you face more of a backlash, if you worry about losing customers, if you worry about losing more of the musicians that are there, they, they decided, look, if it's Neil Young versus Joe Rogan, we're going with Joe Rogan. They, they doubled down on that. Joni Mitchell, they're still going to stick with Joe Rogan on this. It depends on how I much of a backlash. With, you know, right. It depends on how much of a backlash they face. And, and, and frankly, it's probably more about customers than, than it is about these artists who are going to be competing with it because Joe Rogan brings in a lot of viewers or listeners, I, should, I guess I should call right. it. And they're going to do what the customers want to do. When, when they face a bigger backlash and potentially lose more customers over that, which I'm not sure that's going to happen, that's what they're going to respond to. Well, we'll see. I don't know if you also saw Apple Music uh, created a little ad saying, <laughs> home of Neil Young. Yeah, and I so did hear I, Neil he, Young on Sirius over the weekend, too. On Deep Tracks, they were playing his music. I don't know if it was nonstop, but while I was listening to it, they were. Um, right. So you, you have so different we'll, venues we'll, trying to take advantage of the conflict and kind of the fallout from it. Right. Um, but, but ultimately, the services are going to go where their customers are really pushing them. Nobody wants to lose customers. It is Jobs Week in America. We're going to be getting the government's latest read on employment. That's coming this Friday. Last Friday, White House economic adviser Brian Deese warned that the Omicron-fueled COVID spike in early January could skew that data. I think we need to be prepared for January employment data that could um, look a little strange uh, and that will you know, reflect, may reflect as much the way that the, uh, the sample accounts for people who are out of, uh, out work, out of work on sick leave um, as opposed to more fundamental changes in layoffs in the labor market. People who were out sick during the reference week will be counted as unemployed if they aren't being paid sick leave. Economists polled by Dow Jones are expecting a gain of about 200,000 jobs, although some analysts are expecting a loss. Wells Fargo's prediction is a loss of 100,000 jobs. Nomura's is a loss of 50,000. And Andrew, I wouldn't be surprised at all to see that if you remember how many people were out sick um, during those weeks yep. leading up to that. Um, it's amazing. I think we were talking at one point about two to five percent of, of lots of companies uh, having their employees out sick, too. So it's just a question of how many of them were being paid sick leave and how many weren't. And then, of course, we'll look at that. Is that I mean, it is backward looking. And is there a way to extrapolate what that means going no, I, they, forward? You I might don't be know. able to write it off, but it'll be interesting to see. Know. Maybe it gives us a, just an idea right. of how deep Omicron was really hitting at that point. Love me tender, love me too. On Friday, uh, Tesla launched a karaoke microphone designed for singing in cars. 
I don't know if this is a good idea or not. We will discuss this. The wireless mics are sold in pairs with a price tag of $188, but you can only buy these in China for now, though I think they were sold out within seconds. The launch works with a new software update, which displays lyrics on the center display when the car isn't moving. That's crucial to this whole thing. Uh, the mics can also be used outside of the vehicles. They sold out, as I said, uh, in less than an hour, and the website says they won't be back in stock until the end of February. I like these better than the flamethrowers, Becky, as you know, my, my issue with the flamethrowers, but I don't know. I, wait a second. Are I thought you'd be a be, huge all... fan of this. You gave us all karaoke mics one time for Christmas. Remember? This is true. This was... I do remember. So, I, I, did, I did karaoke mics one year and I thought you were going to be all over this. I, I like it, but are people... I guess they... I mean... Karaoke in the car is is you what all these the TV all the shows are doing, right? I sing in the car every day. I think it's awesome. Really, I mean, honestly, yeah. I would, I would, I would when, be down. When with you're this. alone, it's awesome. It's like singing in the shower. It's awesome. But if you if you ever have a whole family in the car singing at the same time, it's go ahead, take it, it depends. away. I want to hear it, Andrew. Belt it out. The go Sorkin ahead. voices are not are not ready for prime. I mean. <laughs> if Joe were here, he'd say they're not ready for any time. But they're definitely not ready for prime time. Come on, sing something. Do it. Do it. We'll, we'll come up with a song. <laughs> it, we'll, we'll we'll come up with a song. First thing that pops in your head. What the hot song is? We need like a Bieber song. Sing the first thing that pops in your head. They're gonna. Well, they're, gonna play list, us out. they're gonna play us out, which I'm very happy about. Yeah, um, when we come I'm, back, we're I gonna maybe song. sing. I promise, Bex. We'll get a song going. Coming up on Squawk Pod, betting against tech bull Kathy Wood. When her ARC innovation goes down, this fund goes up. Founder Matthew Tuttle on how he's protecting his portfolio. Eventually, this correction gets worse, which we think it will. Eventually, we get into a bear market at some point. To me, this tool is a better hedge than an inverse S&P or an inverse NASDAQ fund. Hi, I'm Ben Rizzuto, wealth strategist at Janice Henderson Investors. Is a brighter future possible? At Janice Henderson, we think it is. For 90 years, we've worked to help clients achieve superior financial outcomes and fulfill our purpose of investing in a brighter future together. We know that this means our thinking and our investments are helping to shape millions of futures. At Janice Henderson, we are committed to helping you invest in a brighter future for the next 90 years and beyond. To learn more, go to JaniceHenderson.com. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. Stand Andrew by. This is Squawk Pod. Good morning and welcome back to Squawk Box right here on CNBC on this Monday morning. I'm Andrew Ross Sorkin along with Becky Quick. Joe is off celebrating the Bengals and other things uh, this morning. Kathy Wood's ARK Innovation ETF down 27% this month, but at least some investors are betting on a comeback. ARK Innovation, which has taken that beating amid a route in tech stocks, saw inflows of $168 million this past week, according to FactSet. That puts its net assets at $11.8 billion. It's still a far cry from the $28 billion in assets at the peak during the first quarter of 2021. And um, 
Kathy Woods has been doubling down. We said it earlier. I think maybe, Becky, you said quadrupling down on yeah. stocks like GameStop. I'm sorry, uh, on, on, games, on Robinhood. Robinhood GameStop to me. Are very Tesla related. last week, too. And then Tesla and yeah. others. Yes. So, you know, she's talked about this in the past, about finding ways to be even more aggressive with some of these things. And I think low prices don't scare her off. She's sticking and standing by her guns on this. Um, yep. We'll see. And it's I give her credit to the extent that it's hard to do in the public domain like this. I mean, everything she does on a daily basis, you, you see where it hits. Right. Um, but uh, the truth is that, that the performance, at least recently, um, has not been, as, as you've said, I think you compare her, her results to, to Warren Buffett's results um, and, and how they got there, very different. Right, and depending on when you bought in, if you bought in at the highs yeah. and have lost going down all the way instead of being slow and steady and kind of climbing in on the way up. I mean, that's, that's the concerning thing. I, I saw Josh Brown last week on CNBC making a case that he didn't think these attacks should be personal. And he's right, they shouldn't be. He can, kind of compared it to Meredith Whitney and what happened to her. Absolutely right. I, I was kind of cheering him on for that. But when you continue to double down, triple down, quadruple down on these bets, I mean, that is you're either brilliant or you are not willing to admit when you are wrong. And, and, and again, it's very public. So you're right. It does kind of get out there um, and, and you watch on a day by day basis and whew, um, kind of have a strong stomach. With the Fed now on pace to raise interest rates and, of course, the possibility of a waning pandemic this year could lead to much less working from home. Woods' tech-focused fund has suffered and suffered big time, and that's where our next guest comes in. He's created a fund to short the arc, and so far it's going pretty well. Joining us right now is the creator of SARC, as in short, ARC fund, Matt Tuttle. He's the CEO of Tuttle Management. Good morning to you, um, Matt. Let's just start. When did when did you come up with this idea? So we came up with this idea at the beginning of the summer. Um, and really, at that point, you had, you know, short interest in RK at about two point seven billion. And, and plus, we knew that the macro environment was likely to be challenging for speculative technology companies. So it just made a lot of sense at that point for us to launch the product. You know, we were talking earlier that, that a lot of folks have made this personal, not just about ARC itself, but about Kathy Woods and her approach. Is this personal for you? No, not at all. I mean, we've got great respect for Kathy Woods. We've got great respect for ARC and, and what they've done. This is purely, they've created a, a whole new sector, really. You know, speculative technology, unprofitable technology, whatever you would want to call it. And there's really no tool out there for investors to you know, express a bearish view on that sector. So that was purely why we did this. Nothing personal at all. Have you talked to her about this? Has anyone, has anyone from ARC contacted you? They, they have not. Uh, I mean, we're going down to an ETF conference in April that she's going to be there. So, you know, maybe, but uh, not as of yet. Let's talk about some of the investments. Just last week, as you know, she doubled down in some ways, maybe quadrupled down uh, on the likes of Robinhood and Tesla. Um, do you look at that from an investor? And I don't I don't know when you look at your fund, how you think about the investment thesis or not, or your view is just, you know, let the chips fall where they may. But do you look at that and say this, this is a terrible mistake of an investment or do you say, great, we'll just see what happens? 
So, you know, there's certainly whenever you are as transparent as they are with their trades, there's always the opportunity to second guess. I mean, we run some actively managed funds and, you know, nobody, uh, you know, typically when you're doubling down on something in a bear market, that tends not to end well. So certainly you can criticize some of those moves. But we're I mean, we're looking at Sark really more as a bet against speculative technology, you know, certainly if if they're making some of these bets and they don't turn out, that does benefit the fund. So it, it is something we're keeping an eye on. And, and when you think about the, the success or failure of this fund, again, this goes to sort of, are you just sort of hoping the chips land where they may? Or are you hoping, do you, do you say to yourself, man, I hope she doubles down on this stuff because I think it's going to zero? Again, I mean, certainly when they make those trades, if they go wrong, it helps us. Um, But again, you know, we see this really as two main things. Number one, a bet on what's going on in the macro environment. You know, you've got the possibility, you've got, you know, Bank of America saying seven rate increases. You've got Bostick getting us ready for maybe 50 bips. And regardless of that, to me, this is a better hedge than saying shorting the S&P or the NASDAQ if you've got a negative market view. I'd rather short spec tech than FANG. Is this a retail bet? For the most part, I see lots of folks on Reddit and other places talking about your fund. Or is this something that's really built to some degree for institutions? And how are you seeing that play out? We're really seeing it play out both ways. I mean, I'm very active on Twitter. I get a lot of people communicating with us on Twitter about this. But, you know, we also look at the trades and, you know, you'll see 50,000 share blocks and things like that that you just know aren't retail. Um, So, you know, we looked at this really coming out is is a little bit more of a retail product. But we've also talked to a lot of investment banks that are doing this internally for clients. And they've told us that, you know, this might end up being a better solution for those clients as well. So we're really seeing it as both. What do you make of the fact that you're able to pull this off because Kathy Woods is so transparent? Well, it, it really has nothing to do with that. We're able to pull this off really because of the success that, that ARC has had. It makes it an extremely liquid investment. And so for us to get swap exposure directly on ARK, which is you know how we do this, it makes it very easy to do. So I mean, ironically, their success in raising assets has has made it, you know, able for us to be able to launch this. And that's what I was going to ask you, though. Do you think of this as a long term or short term product? If if your product works, it means that her product is not working. And therefore, over time, I imagine your product can't work either. Well, so not necessarily. So I look at this like the inverse S&P and the inverse Nasdaq funds. I mean, she could generate 40% returns a year, but it's not going to be linear. And especially with the stocks that they own, they're going to have times when they're doing very well, and they're going to have times when they're doing very poorly. And again, if you've got a bearish view on the market, because eventually, you know, either this correction gets worse, which we think it will, eventually we get into a bear market at some point. To me, this this tool is a better hedge than an inverse S&P or an inverse NASDAQ fund. 
Matt, that's my question. If you think she's going to have times that she does very well and times that she does very poorly, wouldn't your fund do the same thing? Do very well at times and then do very poorly? Or is there a point where you break off where you don't necessarily um, act as the reflection of, of the opposite reflection of what they're doing? No. So because of the way the fund is structured, we're always going to be the opposite reflection. We're not making any judgments. We're, you know, we're not actively managing the portfolio. We are short RK directly through swap contracts. So, you know, if they're up 5%, we're going to be down somewhere around 5%. Matt, uh, we want to thank you. Uh, it's fascinating to see what you're doing. Uh, it'll be fascinating to see uh, who wins in the end, uh, though I imagine it's possible both of you do in different ways. Talk to you soon. Thanks. Thank you. Cheese will be next. Next on Squawk Pod. Yeah, As the Lunar New Year holiday kicks off, China's zero COVID policies impact many families, and new rules are sometimes a surprise. CNBC's Eunice Yoon, our longtime guide to life in China during this pandemic, reports from Beijing. There are lots and lots of restrictions. You really don't know when your building is going to get locked down. You're not told if it's going to get locked down. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash credit card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like season tickets to watch your favorite team, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like paying for parking. That's the beauty of the Active Cash credit card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash credit card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com/activecash. You're listening to Squawk Pod. Here's Becky Quick. Welcome back, everybody. While people here in the United States still argue about kids wearing masks to school, that is nothing compared to China. You've probably heard about their COVID zero policies, but you may not know what that actually entails or what it's like really living with them. Well, Eunice Yoon does, and she joins us live right now with Beijing. She's got more of a picture of what this means. Eunice, it's good to see you. It's great to see you too, Becky. Uh, well, while China enjoys a low infection rate, it's really the individuals here who suffer. For Lunar New Year, this video has gone viral with rare criticism of Chinese authorities. A grandfather vents frustration over a last-minute decision to tighten controls for his city, forcing his grandchildren who just showed up at the train station for the holidays to turn back. Just as most of the world is weary living with COVID, Chinese are worn out living with Beijing's policy of zero COVID. Lines for COVID tests mandated by local authorities now the norm. First, we have to stand in this line to register. Then we're going to go to another window to pick up the kit before heading to a third window for the test. The whole process will take us about one and a half hours today. Not only testing, but constant tracking is taxing too. 
Most places, even cabs, require you register your ID and contact info through a health code on your mobile phone to get in. Drugstores share your personal purchases of any medication for fever, cough, sore throat, or infection with the authorities. If you buy those meds, you receive this government alert, so your health code won't work until you go for another COVID test. Sudden lockdowns of buildings and late-night visits by authorities rounding up residents for COVID tests are becoming common, too. Property staff have been instructed by local authorities to knock on people's doors or to put up notices to make sure people get tested. This household has already been told to get tested twice in three days. Online, people complain about children who test positive being taken to COVID hospitals without their parents. Chinese authorities argue that these tough measures are necessary for a country with 1.4 billion people. At the same time, the leadership has been showing signs that it's concerned about the grumbling. Over the weekend, the top health authority said that they're setting up a public messaging board so that people could complain about their local authorities if they stopped them from going home for the Lunar New Year holiday. Guys? Eunice. That's so hard to imagine living in the midst of all of that, especially the idea that they take your children to a, to a COVID hospital and you don't get to go with them. But just how onerous this has to be. I mean, this is like constant lockdown. It's not like, oh, we're, we're COVID free so we can move about. This is almost worse than COVID. Well, I mean, it, when, when you just look at it from the day-to-day -day life, um, just going around, we are freer here in some ways in that... <laughs> You don't necessarily have to be so concerned that Omicron is going to come and infect an entire place. Uh, but so in that way, there is some level of freedom getting around. But at the same time, yeah, it's you know, it's the, there are lots and lots of restrictions and you really don't know uh, when your building is going to get locked down. You're not told if it's going to get locked down. You could be in a shopping mall and then you're shopping there and suddenly an entire area gets locked down. And you really don't have a way to get get around that because there isn't any negotiation. So, so it's a totally different way of um, operating here compared to when you were saying with with the masks. Um, one thing about the children, um, yeah, there there are people who complain because even um, people kids who are as young as five <sighs> are taken away or even younger. Uh, but but um, and then the parents can't really do anything about it. So that's um, that's not only been happening to to uh, Chinese people, but also to foreigners as well. You have got to be kidding me. I mean, we've known for a long time about, you know, places like America being individual rights, places like China being more about the collective good. But isn't there a point where that is not good for the collective good either? And, you know, they talk about grumbling online. You never hear anybody complain in China, hear things like that happen. But I can't imagine that that grumbling doesn't pick up to, to an almost unbelievable level. Just that... I well, can't even imagine it does living take like a that. psychological toll. I, yeah, no, I th it does take a psychological toll on, on the population. And we do, as I mean, you were talking about, we see these kind of situations online where suddenly there's um, anger over, you know, a particularly egregious situation. Um, but then uh, it very quickly gets gets censored. And then on a, on a street level, uh, we haven't seen that level of anger. I mean, we do some occasionally see people protesting, but it's usually individual. It's it's kind of stamped out very quickly. So it's not as though there's a, a collective um, um, and definitely not an organized uh, way to try to, to voice your opinion over here um, about these these uh, zero COVID restrictions, but definitely signs that people are getting tired. Um, Eunice, thank you. It's really eye opening. Thank you.
That's it for Squawk Pod today. Thanks for listening. And thanks to Eunice Yoon and producer Hillary Pan in Beijing for their assistance with today's podcast. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Tune in weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 Eastern and follow Squawk Pod wherever you download podcasts. We'll meet you back here tomorrow. We are clear. Thanks, guys. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.